We're going live. We're waiting for it to go live. Is everybody ready? I'm ready. Are the people ready? The people are ready. We're live. We're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. I am your host, Jonathan Kogan. It's good to be with you today. Let's jump right into it. This is awesome. I love spending every single day with you. If you've been listening to this podcast, I appreciate it with all of my heart and soul. Oh, this is an emergency announcement. My, I'm not a good producer. I'm a good podcast host or decent, but not so good with the technology behind it. And so I've screwed up. So if you subscribe to this show or if you share it, or if you want to listen to other episodes, instead of going to anchor.fm forward slash JSK, like I always say, it's all messed up. The correct place to go to subscribe, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, especially the Apple Podcasters and people even on Pandora and all this stuff. Now we're on Audible and all this stuff. Go to jsk.transistor.fm. So jsk.transistor.fm. That is the official site. You can go to any podcast app from there. And subscribe, do whatever you want to do, listen to it. Uh, you can listen to the episode in the web. It does not matter. We just want to reach the people with the truth as best as we can on a daily basis and build a friendship because I feel like we got something going here. I'm feeling it. I really do. I feel it. So let's get into it now. Bear with me. Listen to me on this one. This episode is sponsored by an awesome idea. Listen to this. This, I think this is really smart. So, you know, like if you're watching a show or a movie on Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, whatever, does anything, right? Imagine if in those movies and shows, the billboards or like the cans that they're drinking out of or like, you know, any sign that shows like Coke or something, it's just a green screen. Okay. And then that movie or show, once it's made, that that particular part of the show, whether it's a sign, whether it's a can, whether it's a bag of food, is forever a green screen that can serve dynamic branding deals. So instead of having something recorded in like 1995 and says like, and one shoes or something, it could just be a shoe that's green. And so it's forever a marketplace for brands in 2030 that doesn't exist like there could be a show that's still really popular, like fast and furious, instead of having like a Honda, let's say Hondas don't exist. Then it's like just Tesla. Well then Tesla can put their branding name on the car. It's dynamic, dynamic ads. It's like a whole marketplace forever. So everything is always current. Even old movies have modern things in it. Modern product placements. Isn't that really smart or not so much? Let me know in the show notes. I think it's genius. Oh, wow. Look at that old can of Coke that he's drinking out of. No. Or look at that. Look at that bottle of Surge for all you people who don't know Surge. It was like literally an illegal amount of like caffeine and toxic chemicals. I drink that every day. Um, it's kind of why I developed the way I did. But we're going to resist and we're going to fight back against the, 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 the establishment. What do you think about that, though? I think it's really smart, right? It can even create like a whole marketplace, like literally. You know, like, let's say The Godfather is still really popular or some movie that came out now, like um, the one I want to see, which, by the way, I just watched The Matrix yesterday. I saw it many, many years ago, but it was like watching it 
as it was brand new. I don't remember any of it. And oh my God, is that relevant in today's world? It is awesome. You should watch it. It is awesome. But you know what we're doing on this podcast? And if you're new to this podcast, let me tell you what we're doing on this podcast. We are popping out of the matrix. We're popping out of the matrix. We're building our own communities. We're creating our human network on the internet. And then in the next coming decade, we're going to form that into a physical location with local farms, local stores. Everybody has a role. We're going into more localized communities. That's the world we're going into. Globalization, as we've discussed before, is done. You grew up in a wild era of perfect globalization. Now we are in the era of de-globalization. And if you're in America, anywhere, but in America, we're rebuilding everything local now. And you're going to see a crazy shift in how things are made and all this stuff. And yeah, now, you know, I think the mainstream is finally covering the, 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 the famines that are coming or the famine that's coming. That's good. It's, it's a way to, Hey, uh, MSNBC, CNN, Fox news way to, Hey, way to tell the people the truth. That's really good. We're really proud of you. We've only been doing this for many months now. I'm a one man crew. This is really smart too. The whole business model of the Jonathan Kogan show is leveraging. There are people writing the real reports and like real journalism, but the mainstream, the narrative sometimes just doesn't pick it up. So the truth is out there. So you just need to find the truth that they don't want you to share because they don't want the people to be free. They don't want you to have enough food. They don't want you to be happy. They want to rule over you and tell you what to do and, and how to breathe and what car to drive and blah, 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 blah. You know all that. And we find those articles like that are talking about a famine many months ago. And we talk about it in the Jonathan Kogan show. And then well, what do you know? Six months later, they're saying there's going to be a famine. Why are they saying it six months later? Because they don't care about you. We are a pro human podcast. We are not political. We have, we are as objective as we possibly can be. And we do this for the people and it's done by the people. This is a community of love. This is a community of caring for one another. This is not some artificial BS community that is trying to extract money out of your pockets to line my own. Okay, that's not what we do here. We spread love, world peace. We love people. We want humans to thrive. Other people, not so much, like <clears throat> Bill Gates. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Awesome documentary. You know, listen, if you've been listening to this podcast for some time, I told you I appreciate you and I love you. And I do mean that with all my heart. But I feel like we're forming a friendship. And I do. I feel like we, I feel like some of us are having a connection. I feel like you and I are having a connection. So I thought on today's podcast, we would do something a little different. Okay. We will watch the documentary together and we'll talk about it together. All right. So this documentary. We're not conspiracy theorists, by the way. We've never been interested in conspiracy theories ever, ever. I'm not interested. I'm not even interested in fiction. I probably should be. It probably expands the mind. But I've been a you know a nonfiction person my whole life. I love things that are based on true stories, even if movies say it's based on true stories. Like uh, remember the Titans and the last championship game was like really close, and they won on the last play. Well, in real life, they won like 55 to seven. I still like to pretend that the movie is 100% accurate. I pretend when I'm watching the movie that these are the exact events as they played out. I brainwash myself. I want to believe that it's truly nonfiction. And then I find out it's all false. So this documentary, as we are not conspiracy theorists, and I had to preface that because the name of the documentary 
will make you think differently, but you got to listen. This is amazing. There's several parts. I saw this came out on August 29th. It's now September 1st. I don't know if it's existed before uh, August 29th, but I just saw it and I felt like I had to share it with you. I felt like we had to watch it together because it's amazing. It's called Plandemic. And this particular part is called Indoctrination. Indoctrination Part 2. I might play part one, but we're going to skip it. This is all stuff. Listen, if you're new to this podcast, welcome to the community. We're super happy to have you. You're going to have to catch up on your own though. We're, we're light years ahead of you. It's good to have you. And now you're in the community, but you're going to have to go listen to old podcasts to realize how far in the future this podcast lives. We are unbelievable at predicting the future without being oracles. I, straight up, go look at the previous episodes. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, literally after two months after I posted about a famine on TikTok, the CCP owned TikTok, they took down my post two months later and I played that post on another podcast, which was just saying, there's going to be a mass famine, a mass famine. It's 2022 and there's gonna be a mass famine. They took that down off TikTok two months after I posted it just recently, like last week. I haven't even posted in like two months on TikTok and I should because... It's a huge market opportunity. Stuff goes crazy viral. Just the content I do, which is this thing called truth telling, not spreading a, a false narrative to enrich myself and gain control over the people, but rather tell the truth so the people can make the best decisions for themselves and their loved ones. That's not endorsed by TikTok. They don't, they don't like that. They don't like that. Why? Hmm. I don't know. I'll leave that to you. So this documentary is a crazy eye-opener. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know all of this stuff, pretty much. There's going to be a lot of new stuff, though. And we're going to watch it together because it's amazing. I don't know how much I'm going to play of it. I don't know if I'm going to skip around, but we're going to watch it together. Why? Because we're friends and we're gaining each other's trust. And I appreciate you. And like I said, the material that we talk about, the truth that we tell on this podcast isn't liked by the powers that be. They obviously don't like us. They don't like me. They don't like you. They don't like good people trying to do the right thing. Okay. So I ask you as a friend, can you share this with one person? Because we don't get the reach that we're supposed to get. So if you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podcast Addict, Pandora, Alca whatever. If you could subscribe and share this with just one person, it's all free. I'm not extracting anything from you. It would mean the world and we can reach more people. So let's get into it. And I appreciate you. Also, I have to say, I hope that this reaches the people in Africa one day because this documentary opened up my eyes big time. I love all the people in Africa and I want them to know from the bottom of my soul, we got your back and we are going to Tell the truth to the world until you guys are basically freed from this medical tyranny that's been going on in that continent. It's horrible. It's terrible. So I, if you know anyone in Africa and this can reach them, just tell them that you love them. Just tell them that it's not everybody, but people in, in, in poor areas, there's some crazy stuff that's been going on. And I just want to spread my love to them because we're all humans. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't even matter what your beliefs are. You're a human. I'm a human. 
Therefore, we are friends and we love each other to the extent that you're going to do good. If you decide to do really bad things to other innocent human beings, we can't be friends. That's all. However, if you try to do good for the world, no matter how small or how big, we could be best friends for our life. We can even get BFF bracelets. You remember those? Or how about this one? BFF inklets. Okay. All right. Let's get on to it. I don't know. You don't, you don't want to hear, you don't want to hear me just spiel and spiel. Maybe you like my spiel. I don't know. I'm a spieler. 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 All right. Here we go. Let's get to pandemic. This is a really well done documentary. This is like unbelievable. And I felt like we could just watch it together. So why don't we watch it together? Shall we? It's not going to go far and wide because it's all going to get censored. So please, please share with one person that you think needs to hear it or is interested and wants to hear it. We are starting off on October 18th, 2019 in New York, New York. So in New York City, this is from October 18th, 2019. Remember that date. Think about when that was, right? Right before the, mm, boop. you know what I'm saying? All right, let's get to it. Here we go. This is incredible. Here we go. On behalf of our center and our partners, the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to our audience here in New York, Five as months well prior as our larger virtual audience participating online today. The Event 201 scenario is fictional. Today's scenario is going to simulate meetings of a multi-stakeholder group called the Pandemic Emergency Board. We're at the start of what's looking like it will be a severe pandemic. And there are problems emerging that can only be solved. This is a scripted simulation. And governments working together. There has been uh, some conspiracy theories that are around about uh, the potential that pharmaceutical companies or the UN have released this for their own benefit. And maybe this is a time for us to showcase some cases where we are able to to bring forward some bad actors and leave it before the courts to decide whether they have actually spread some fake news. A new coronavirus. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. In related news, a significant demand for personal protective equipment like N95 masks and gloves are on the rise. Haitians are overwhelming healthcare facilities. People are avoiding public spaces out of fear of infection and in compliance with well, I want to make it clear what's going on here. And on the screen, it's like they have actors playing this out. It's a simulation, a scripted simulation. They have people playing news anchors. They have people playing government officials. They have people playing conspiracy theorists, a.k.a. truth tellers. Shout out, Jonathan Cogan Show. Um, so this is on the screen. It's showing like news. This is not real. This is quote-unquote practice, okay? So just think about how eerily familiar this is to what actually happened. That's all. Script simulation. All right, we're good. With public health recommendations, our U.S. affiliate has just released polling results on public expectations for a vaccine. And 65% of those polled are eager to take the vaccine, even if it's experimental. I'm not optimistic about having the vaccine in time to be relevant during this pandemic. With enough money and political will, anything is possible. Penalties have been put in place for spreading harmful falsehoods including arrest. If the solution means controlling and reducing access to information, I think it's the right choice. The world saw large-scale protests and in some places riots. This led to violent crackdowns in some countries and even martial law. The public lost trust in their respective administration. Economists say the economic turmoil caused by such a pandemic will last for years. The societal impacts 
the loss of faith in government, the distrust of news, and the breakdown of social cohesion could last even longer. We have to ask, did this need to be so bad? All right. Indoctrination. Indoctrination is the segment. All right, this is the Juicy Fruit. This is David E. Martin, PhD, National Intelligence and Analyst, founder of... I'm the developer of Linguistic Genomics, which was the first platform on which you could determine the intent of communication rather than the literal artifact of communication. But we've also used that technology for a number of other applications in defense and intelligence and finance. And most notably, in the early 2000s, my company was responsible for bringing down what was at the time one of the largest tax frauds in U.S. history. We maintained a series of inquiries into every individual, every organization, and every company that is involved in anything that either blurs the line of biological and chemical weapons or crosses that line in any of 168 countries. In 1999, there were a million patents digitized by IBM. And those million patents were the first time human innovation had been put into an electronic digital searchable format. We took that information and we did a very simple exercise using our linguistic genomics technology. I made the horrific assessment that approximately one third of all patents filed in the United States were functional forgeries, meaning that while they had linguistic variations, they actually covered the same subject matter. In 1999, patents on coronavirus started showing up and thus began the rabbit trail. There's nothing March to 2003, see here. panic grips Hong Kong as Look a the other way. virus sweeps through the city. In 2003, the Center for Disease Control saw the possibility of a gold strike. And that was the coronavirus outbreak that happened in Asia. They saw that a virus they knew could be easily manipulated was something that was very valuable. And in 2003, they sought to patent it. And they made sure that they controlled the proprietary rights to the disease, to the virus, and to its detection, and all of the measurement of it. We know that Anthony Fauci, that Ralph Barrick, that the Center for Disease Control, and the laundry list of people who wanted to take credit for inventing coronavirus, were at the hub of this story. From 2003 to 2018, they controlled 100% of the cash flow that built the empire around the industrial complex of coronavirus. The World Health Organization has officially named the, the novel coronavirus, coronavirus the novel coronavirus the outbreak. The, coronavirus the World Health the Organization is has declared an international a public health pandemic. emergency. Well, we know that the coronavirus manipulation started with Dr. Ralph Barrick in 1999. The major characteristics of SARS, MERS, and SARS coronavirus too, it's a good way. Ralph Barrick is the researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, who is famous for his chimeric coronavirus research. In 2002, there was a recognition that the coronavirus was seen as an exploitable mechanism for both good and ill. On April the 25th, 2003, the U.S. Center for Disease Control filed a patent on the coronavirus transmitted to humans. Under 35 
U.S. Code Section 101. Nature is prohibited from being patented. Either SARS coronavirus was manufactured, therefore making a patent on it legal, or it was natural, therefore making a patent on it illegal. If it was manufactured, it was a violation of biological and chemical weapons, treaties, and laws. If it was natural, filing a patent on it was illegal. Then either outcome, both are illegal. In the spring of 2007, the CDC filed a petition with the Patent Office to keep their application confidential and private. They actually filed patents on not only the virus, but they also filed patents on its detection and a kit to measure it. Because of that CDC patent, they had the ability to control who was authorized and who was not authorized to make independent inquiries into coronavirus. You cannot look at the virus. You cannot measure it. You cannot develop a test kit for it. And by ultimately receiving the patents that constrained anyone from using it, they had the means, they had the motive, and most of all, they had the monetary gain from turning coronavirus from a pathogen to profit. Developing uh, and really owning juicy. a coronavirus vaccine has Trust become me. a biotech arms race with political overtones. This vaccine gold rush is starting to bother me. Gold rush. Hmm. Let's keep that in mind. And so somewhere between 2012 and 2013, something happened. The federal funding for research that was feeding into places like Harvard, Emory, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, that funding suddenly became impaired by something that happened at the NIH, where the NIH got this little tiny moment of clarity and said, I think something we're doing is wrong. And in 2013, the NIH said, gain-of-function research on coronavirus should be suspended. The National Institutes of Health had a moral and social and potentially legal reason to object to research. But the letters that were sent to the researchers essentially said, you are receiving notice that we're telling you to stop. And now on the bottom of the page, we're going to clarify what stop means. Keep going. But when the heat gets hot in 2014 and 15, what do you do? You offshore the research. You fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology oh, to do the stuff that sounds like it's getting a little edgy with respect to its morality and legality. I hope he doesn't but do you do it straight way? No. You run the money through a series of cover organizations to make Alliance. it look like you're funding a U.S. operation, which and, then subcontracts with the Wuhan and, Institute and we, of Virology. We, the U.S. could say documents. China did it. Oh, boy. I was trying China to say that while the U.S. Talk did it. Over it. And the cool thing is because both of them are almost telling the truth. Word. Sorry, I had to do that. Hopefully it worked. This is Wuhan. There's a new investigation into its origins. U.S. intelligence officials tell NBC News that they are examining whether the virus accidentally came from a Chinese oh lab. Boy. Oh boy. Chinese officials pushing back against that claim on Thursday, tweeting that it might be the U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. I was the first person in the world to look at an epidemic and study its characteristics 
and prove that it was due to biological warfare and was not a natural occurrence. So I published that 28 years ago. Early in this pandemic, I did not think the coronavirus was a natural occurrence from bats. I feel quite convinced that this was a laboratory designed organism. There have been hundreds and hundreds of leaks from high containment laboratories that do research on pathogenic coronaviruses and other potentially lethal organisms. I was particularly interested in a paper that came out in Nature Medicine by five scientists claiming and it was definitely a natural occurrence rather than a lab construct. But the arguments they used did not hold water. They didn't really make a lot of scientific sense. And yet all kinds of very important people started parroting what this paper said. And so that, of course, got me scratching my head saying, why are these people risking their reputation when it's obviously illogical, you know, doesn't hold water? Somebody must have made them publish this. See, that's a, that, so it, by the way, this gets, I know this is like a slow lead up. Maybe you're super interested. I don't know, but it gets really good. I can even skip ahead, but it gets really, really intense. So either, uh, just bear with it. But so what's amazing is, and I've talked about this before is it would make sense if lying, if the, if, if, if lying to the general public meant you would actually make more money right? Like CNN, MSNBC, Fox, all them lying because they would get more money. And maybe they did in the short term from big pharma, but now it's, they're done. It's over. You don't trust them. You'll never trust them again. How could we ever trust them? They're literally the death of mainstream media is already underway. Like the death, there's no way they revive, revise themselves. I couldn't trust them ever. I started this podcast because I can't trust them. And I'm not a media correspondent. I'm just a peasant trying to do peasant things. So, so they've ruined their reputation. They are going to go bankrupt in the coming, who knows, five to 10 years, probably. Unless a major pivot comes where they gain everybody's trust back. I don't know how that happens, to be honest. Um, they're never going to gain my trust back. Um, I'm just going to listen to the independent creators that I trust that are that have consistently telling the truth. And it seems like the best decision for a media person or media company was to tell the truth this whole time, even though you get all the backlash to have the courage to tell the truth, because that will likely align with the economic incentives. Like the more I tell the truth, the more I correct myself and be honest with you, the more people that listen to this podcast, it's not the other way around. It isn't the more I lie to you, the more viewers you get. It's the opposite. The more I tell the truth, the more you're willing to listen because you know I have good intent and it, my intent is pure and I have a real heart and that I love people and I love you. And I, I don't, it's hard for me to grasp why the mainstream, everyone, why, I mean, they did it to, so it's also called flooding. It's called flooding when they, when they come up with an incredible amount of propaganda to push a narrative, they basically, there's going to always be people that tell the truth, like the Jonathan Cogan show, but it's hard to find media outlets like this because they publish thousands of articles and they, they, they come on every single channel and then they, they work with Google and Facebook 
to fix the rankings that you see. And 80% of the people in Google don't even go to the second page of the results. And so they fix what's on the first page and it's all propaganda and you believe it. And the fact checkers, right? The good old fact checkers, which that was a great, I thought that was a good podcast. We did a couple days ago um, on Alan Duke and, and the, who the fact checkers are and how they've been so wrong yet they haven't been fired. It's wild. Like, wouldn't you want your fact checkers to be accurate? Like, it's weird. It seems like something else is at play. So in the long run, it's in your best interest to tell the truth. And that aligns with the economic gain. So it's like fascinating that they threw that out the window for short-term gains. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. All right. This really builds up. I might skip ahead. Let me play this part. Um, let me let it, you know, continue. And then I know towards the end, it gets real intense. So let's see what happens. All right. This and somebody must've told these other people that they have to say it's, it's a great piece of science. You were quoted as saying it was a meticulous job done professionally. It could be done by some, somebody very expert in molecular biology, I think. It's a professional a job of molecular biologist. It's a very meticulous job. He's a Nobel. On peut dire d'horloger. Et donc il des séquences. Mais dans quel but what purpose? the problem with all of this is the evidence is right in front of our face. And when confronted with evidence, we are told fact checkers are somehow transcendent. The pace of our modern world makes it nearly impossible for working people to research the events and policies that shape their lives. When seeking answers to life's most pressing questions, where do we go first? Google. Enter the subject, hit go, and there it is only what they want us to see. In today's culture of copy and paste journalism, it's common for hundreds of unrelated outlets to feature the exact same report. This is not the result of laziness. This is by design. When we see identical headlines across seemingly unrelated platforms, the logical mind concludes, well then, it must be true. The illusion that numerous news sources have arrived at the same conclusion gives us confidence to share the chosen narrative. And just like that, we become the unwitting pushers of propaganda. Search engines are the holy grail for those seeking to control the narrative. Google is already more powerful in terms of its control over people's lives than almost every government on the planet. As the most influential search engine in the world, through its ubiquitous reach, Google has more power to influence U.S. elections than any foreign nation. You testified before this committee. You said in subsequent elections, Google and Facebook and Twitter and big text manipulation could manipulate as many as 15 million votes in a subsequent election. And the methods that they're using are invisible. They're subliminal. They're more powerful than most any effects I've ever seen in the behavioral sciences. And I've been in the behavioral sciences for almost 40 years. The blacklists is something that is Google, Google said and didn't exist. And they testified that under oath. And nothing but the truth to help you guys. I do. Now, me as an engineer, I just did a search on Google's internal search engine, and guess what I found? It had blacklisted search terms 
like cancer cures? Why is Google deciding what people can and cannot search for? What was once an efficient tool for navigating the world of information is now a network for global surveillance, data collection, and social engineering. Now let's take a look at a few of the most commonly used fact checkers, beginning with Snopes. The husband and wife duo of David and Barbara Mickelson founded Snopes.com in 1995. They had no journalism background or training whatsoever. They built their fact checking empire by using Google as their primary verifying source. The Mickelsons divorced in 2015. Barbara sued David for embezzling money that he allegedly spent on prostitutes, as well as a lavish honeymoon with his new wife, who worked as an escort in Las Vegas before joining the Snopes cast of characters. In 2017, David Mickelson's new business partners filed a lawsuit accusing Mickelson of multiple counts of fraud and embezzlement. Snopes proclaims to be the internet's go-to source for discerning what is true and what is total nonsense. Yet one glance at their history of fact-free checking tells another story. When Dr. Mikovits claimed she was arrested without a warrant and jailed without a charge, Snopes rated her statement false. Had they bothered to explore the arrest documents, they would have seen that indeed there was neither a warrant nor signatures to officiate a charge, a fact that I confirmed with members of Dr. Mikovits' legal team. Was there a search warrant? No. And was she ever charged? No. Never charged with a crime. 100% correct. Judy has never been charged with any crime. Facebook's fact-checking arm, PolitiFact, is owned by the Pointer Institute, which has received substantial funding from big pharma allies such as Google and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Like Snopes, PolitiFact has a history of misleading the public. In late January 2019, PolitiFact, Snopes, and FactCheck.org raced to squash the notion that coronavirus and its treatments were patented. They reviewed only three of the 4,452 publicly available patents, which unmistakably show that SARS coronavirus detection and treatment had been widely patented by both the public and private sectors. Facebook's founder pledged to the WHO, saying they would remove false claims and block exploitative ads. They're working with the World Health Organization and with the NHS, so they have a hotline, if you like, from those official sources. Which, by the way, you're seeing, because of Alex Berenson, you're seeing a lot of news come out now of the White House directly coordinating with Instagram and Twitter to take things down in one email saying, can you take down this meme? It's not one of ours from a high level White House person. Isn't it crazy? Like how many times do you either see online or you say something, um, you know, that goes against the narrative and someone's like, well, what, are you a doctor? Or like my friend who said, I, I read the uh, Pfizer document. He's like, he's like, you're not a doctor. You don't know anything. Like that can't be true. Go look at, you know, this fact check. And then you go down the rabbit hole of Snopes, you know, like, like a fact check, like Snopes and realize, wait, you're believing the fact checkers for their information. Yet not only are they not a doctor or are they not, you know, approved to cover this stuff, but they actually have a history of committing crimes and doing bad stuff. Like people are always like, you can't say that, you know, you're not a professional. And then they pull up like PolitiFact or, or Snopes. And it's like, well, who's behind that? And you go down the rabbit hole and you realize, well, they're full of shit too. Or, I mean, they're, they are full of shit. I mean, we're not full of shit. I don't know why I said too, but they're full of crap, right? They have a history of doing illegal things. 
but yet they're trustworthy because nobody is willing to do the simple research to find out what is true and not true. What we have learned from this pandemic is that the vast majority of the world are just headline readers. People are headline readers. They don't do research. They don't even read the articles. And it's blown my mind. But I think people are going to start doing more research once all this news keeps you know, coming out. But it's funny how people attack you for saying something and say, you're not, you know, you don't have the, uh, the, the knowledge to comment on this. Look at this link from Snopes. And then you realize the people behind that don't know anything at all. And they're criminals. It's just really, really funny. All right, let's get back to it. Wikipedia is the go-to destination for introductions to people, places, and things. Wikipedia is supported by the Wikimedia Foundation, a nonprofit parent organization with a long history of politically tied funders. Many named, many anonymous. What exactly does a Wikipedia donor receive in exchange for their generosity? What began as an unbiased open source platform is now weaponized to undermine the work and reputation of anyone deemed a threat to its stakeholders. And once they smear you, they lock you out for making corrections to your own bio. In summary, most independent fact checkers are neither independent nor factual. Simply put, they are political spin machines. And so what they have done is they've decided that there's an approved narrative. If it is in line with the CDC's public pronouncements, and if it's in line with the World Health Organization public pronouncements, it is presumed to be correct. I don't have to remind many Americans that the Center for Disease Control was the one that said you should use DDT in your homes. Used right, it is absolutely harmless to humans and animals. Remember the name, DDT. A scientific panel today reported that pesticides may indeed represent a grave threat to mankind. Remember the swine flu scare of 1976? That was the year the U.S. government told us all that swine flu could turn out to be a killer. And Washington decided that every man, woman, and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. Well, 46 million of us obediently took the shot. Did anyone ever come to you and say, there's the possibility of neurological damage if you get into a mass this is the immunization the CDC no. asking. No one ever did. No. I can't believe that they would say that they did not know that there were neurological illnesses associated with influenza vaccination. That simply is not true. We did know that. Uh, and he's lying. I guess you would have to um, make that assumption. Then why does this report from your own agency list neurological complications as a possibility? You didn't feel it was necessary to tell the American people that information. Dr. Sensor's CDC also helped create the advertising to get the public to take the shot. The vaccines are safe, so roll up your sleeve. And now the Americans are claiming damages from Uncle Sam amounting to three and a half billion dollars. By far the greatest number of the claims, two thirds of them, are for neurological damage or even death. There are serious concerns tonight about how well the CDC controls dangerous germs at its own labs after yet another safety lapse. For the third time in a month, the CDC acknowledged deadly pathogens were handled incorrectly in government labs. That CDC is the CDC that allegedly is looking out for your public health. When we start with the assumption that the official dogma has to be the objective standard, 
then what fact checkers look for is a piece of published media that confirms the statement made by that particular organization. And then debunkers and conspiracy theorists, blower uppers come in and say, ah, we're going to make this thing clearly the scam that it is. Every media outlet that is in the public media right now has planted evidence and they have re-ranked pages. So if you look today at face mask wearing, and if you look today at social distancing studies, you will see the studies that used to be number one, number two, number three on the pages of PageRank search don't exist anymore. And what is there are studies that wind up having headlines that support the common narrative. They're planting evidence to back into the narrative of the story that they're looking for. Because it turns out that after every single effort to disrupt the electoral process has failed, you suddenly have nature's gift, COVID-19. You're going to be hearing more about advanced guidelines. Because if you can keep people from assembling, guess what they're not talking about? They're not talking about the issues of the campaign. If you can keep people in their homes, the only source of information that you can have is what you curate for them. Now I know how to target my electorate. They're in the only place I allow them to be, being fed the only message I'm allowing them to hear through a media that I control. Those who tell the stories rule society, Plato. Since the invention of the printing press, there's been a battle to control disseminated information. In the early 1900s, oil tycoon John D. Rockefeller took control of every newspaper and news editor of his era. He became America's first billionaire, paving the way for the power-hungry ever since. Thus began the gold rush for the modern world's most precious resource, the narrative. Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are House Intelligence Committee to a major circulation American journal? During a Senate committee investigation, it was revealed that the CIA had been conducting a covert operation to infiltrate and control U.S. media. They called it Operation Mockingbird. We do have people who submit pieces to American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA who are working for television networks? This, I think, gets into the kind of details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into an executive session. Over 3,000 CIA contracted and trained operatives are placed in key positions within top media outlets. Posing as editors and journalists, these well-paid actors never dared to question the effect of their lies on the world beyond their cozy studio. How often does the CIA manipulate the media in this way? It goes beyond your wildest imagination. Setting up student organizations so they could draw radical students in. 5,000 university professors co-opted to help the CIA manipulate people's minds journalists in the U.S., including big-name journalists, co-opted to function routinely to help the CIA put out stories and biases to the world. As this 1952 CIA memo says, the aim is controlling an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will. It's a great brainwashing process 
to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. Would you say that continues today? Well, I, yeah, I would think probably for a reporter it would continue today, but because of all of the revelations, I think you've got to be much more careful about it. So how do we know that Operation Mockingbird still isn't in effect? Well, we don't. It was the Telecommunications Act of 1996 that opened the door for predatory corporations to monopolize the industries of print and broadcast. This bill protects consumers against monopolies. It guarantees the diversity of voices. Today, a handful of corporate empires own and control the vast majority of everything you read, hear, and watch. From the biggest movie studios, television and radio networks, newspapers and magazines, to the vast universe of internet news and entertainment sites. Amazon has trained. So we've been over that in a previous podcast. It, Vanguard, uh, State Street, and BlackRock own pretty much everything from the media to pharma to all that stuff. And in three years, they expect to own 90% of the companies in the United States. Those three funds. So a little bit centralized, a little bit too centralized. Transformed its operations in response to Amazon COVID-19 to protect employees and keep packages flowing. The company is and keeping its employees safe and healthy while still delivering those packages to the company. The company is keeping its employees safe and healthy. The company is keeping its employees safe Millions of Americans staying at home. Millions of Americans staying at home. And that is how it works. It's like a house of mirrors where you're seeing the same thing over and over and over again, except it's distorted. There's an industry that is paid to go after and target journalists, whistleblowers, and inundate our consciousness and the images we see to try to ruin, destroy, or smear the idea that they don't like or the person who's delivering it. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it, and then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear. And then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic. Welcome back, everyone. News personalities are not the only high-paid actors to serve the propaganda machine. Most late-night talk shows are owned by the same corporate overlords and thus follow the same script only laced with a laugh. Our main story tonight concerns conspiracy theory. Last week tonight with John Oliver featured a skit entitled Coronavirus Conspiracy Theories. It's like the claim that the moon landing was faked. First thing to note here is that Mr. Oliver opens with commentary about conspiracy theories that are completely unrelated to coronavirus. This is a standard tactic used by propagandists to set a tone so that anything that follows will be seen through the lens of absurdity. Plandemic a pseudo-documentary filled with a hodgepodge of conspiracy theories. Mr. Oliver then does his best to debunk Dr. Judy's claim that she was arrested but never charged with a crime. She was absolutely criminally charged. This was not an oversight, but a blatant lie. Prior to the taping of this episode, Mr. Oliver had the official arrest documents that clearly proved that Dr. Judy was never charged with a crime. Mr. Oliver then attempts to debunk the idea that a beach, AKA nature, holds any value and boosting our body's natural immune system. Instead of challenging the point with science, he kills it with a smear. 
Everything that you just said is insane. Television is not the truth. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. How interesting is it that this has probably been happening for many, I mean, probably forever, but for many decades in America when there's like three stations and everyone's plugged into it with their TV. And yet for me, being apolitical and really just minding my own business in life, before the year before COVID, I didn't even, um, I didn't even know about this. I thought it, like there was, you know, I didn't even recognize propaganda. I didn't recognize a narrative. It was just whatever. Like, you know, I don't even want to watch the news. It's not affecting my life. Is that how you feel? Like, did you even know how coordinated this all was with these institutions a decade ago? Maybe you did. I didn't. And I, I, I have a feeling the majority of people didn't either. And it was this past event, obviously this pandemic that woke everybody up. And it's really like the age of, it's like a great awakening that's going on here. And it's beautiful. It's really sad. We're going to go through hardship, but it's very, very beautiful that we're going to rebuild a whole new world with different systems, different infrastructure, different communities. There's a lot to look forward to a lot of friction ahead, but a lot to look forward to. So I just want to infuse that, that, um, excitement and, and, um, you know, positive outlook that is in the future, even though we're going through all this, I think the great awakening is going to lead us to a different and better world because things throughout history, pretty much every civilization, it's a pendulum. It swings from centralization to decentralization. So like we're at the end of maximum centralization with our nation state. And so then we're going to swing back to being more decentralized, more communities, more localized. And that's happened all throughout history. That is a pattern where it goes decentralized, then it goes veers back towards centralization, then it goes back the other way. So that's happened forever. And so that's what we're experiencing right now. Um, we're, we're converging with, with uh, Mark Moss does a great job explaining how there's three different things that are colliding right now, three different changes. Um, and that's being one of them. So um, we'll get into the other ones later. In 1979, the world decided that we needed the Bayh-Dole Act because we needed to reform our patent system. And one of the modifications was we allowed recipients of federal funding to patent and retain economic interest in the research that the public paid for. You get a $5 million grant from the taxpayer, and then you get to charge the taxpayer a premium for the technology they paid to develop. Pfizer is going to get nearly $2 billion. Moderna receiving $438 million in taxpayer money. And yet both companies have said they will not sell the vaccine at cost. They're going to make a profit on it. Should pharmaceutical companies profit off this vaccine research that taxpayers have helped fund? And the Bayh-Dole Act failed the American people because rather than standing on the shoulders of giants, we now kneel at the feet of greed. My systems flagged anomalies when I started seeing 
nonprofits and corporates and cover financing for coronavirus programs in the late summer and fall of 2019. Our first red flag came out when we read the world at risk scenario. Now there's an organization called the Global Monitoring Preparedness Board. This organization is a part of the World Health Organization and this board includes Dr. Elias from the Gates Foundation and Anthony Fauci from NIAID. These two individuals, plus the director of the Center for Disease Control in China, come out with a recommendation that says that by September 2020, two global pandemic preparedness exercises have to be completed. And one of them has to be done on the release of a respiratory pathogen that then gave rise to an October event, Event 201, on behalf of our partners in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Event 201 took place five months before COVID-19 was declared a pandemic. The participants of the event are some of the same people that are now deeply involved in the real pandemic and profiting from it as well. Event 201 was a scripted, multi-camera live event that was broadcast globally via the internet. An event of this complexity and magnitude would take months to write, prep, and produce, placing the conception date at least one year prior to the actual pandemic. There is no question that there will be a surprise outbreak. Anthony Fauci knew as early as January of 2017 that we would see an outbreak before the end of 2020. Even Bill Gates, a man with no medical training, knew it was coming. If we start now, we can be ready for the next epidemic. Every single thing that you have seen play out in front of your eyes, all of them laid out in their tabletop exercise, which by the way, fact checkers have said, has nothing to do with the coronavirus outbreak. Just happenstance. This is that wonderful universe of improbabilities where events just co-emerge and then nature conveniently backs itself into our architecture. That's, that's the scenario we're supposed to accept. Brilliant. Some countries have banned travel from the worst. Okay, wait, wait. What's going on now is they go from simulation. They play a part from the simulation that they did at Event 201 and then reality of what really happened. They go back and forth. So you're going to hear you're going to hear one part and then you're going to see it basically mirrored in real life. So this is the simulation. And then the next one, when you hear uh, Mike Pence's voice is the reality. Affected areas. The president has made a decision to suspend all travel to the United Kingdom and Ireland. Dis and misinformation circulating over the internet. Across the world, misinformation about the virus is being shared online. A significant demand for N95 masks and gloves are on the rise. The demand for N95 masks to prevent the deadly airborne virus has surged. We could eventually have 52 million treatment courses per year, but it will take many months to get there. We're still many months out from having something that we can really deploy to the public. And 65% of those polled are eager to take the vaccine even if it's experimental. A new poll finds that 49% of Americans say they would get a COVID-19 vaccine should an effective one be discovered. I'm curious, who wrote the Event 201 script? If the visionaries of the event knew at least one year in advance what was needed, why didn't they take care of those things? Considering that Bill Gates has donated half of his fortune to make the world safer, why didn't he help to better prepare our hospitals and frontline workers? Why didn't any of the event's wealthy sponsors do something? That's a good question. That is a good question, by the way. This is April Now here we are 
you know, we, we didn't simulate this, we didn't practice. On behalf of our partners in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So both the health policies and economic policies, we find ourselves in uncharted territory. Event 201 was not the first scripted exercise to prophesize the future with astonishing accuracy. Leaders of global health and business have been seeding reality with fictional scenarios for several decades. The scenario obviously is fictional. One year prior to Event 201, many of the same sponsors, hosts, and actors came together to produce a tabletop pandemic simulation for a fictional virus they branded Clade X. One year to produce a vaccine for this is too long. Uh, we should have stockpiled, we didn't, but we're gonna have to look at that vaccine question to see if we can speed up the delivery. And if we do not have the public with us, we're in big trouble. In 2010, the Rockefeller Foundation released a 54-page document called Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development. Page 18. So this is a really important report that we referenced before that you should definitely check out. It was published in 2010, okay? This is from the Rockefeller Foundation. Wait until you hear this. This has been around a long time. These the, And we know Rockefeller started the whole big pharma, which you heard before. So when you hear the word lockstep, it's from them. So take a listen. Teen features the pandemic scenario, lockstep. A world of tighter top-down government control and authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. China's government was not the only one that took extreme measures to protect its citizens from risk and exposure. During the pandemic, around the world flexed their authority and imposed airtight rules and restrictions from the mandatory wearing of face masks to body temperature checks at the entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. Even after the pandemic faded, this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities stuck and even intensified. It's the United Nations in lockstep with the World Economic Forum. In what they are boasting will be the great reset of all our economies and of all our personal liberties. Now is a historical moment, a time. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. It is an opportunity we have never had before and may never have again. We must not miss this unique window of opportunity. Reading from the COVID-19, The Great Reset book by Klaus Schwab and his co-author, if no one power can enforce order, our world will suffer from a global order deficit. Think about that, reread that sentence. If no one power can enforce order, our world will suffer from a global order deficit. In short, we need a great reset. But how do the World Economic Forum and the United Nations intend to bring about this great reset they keep promising us? Well, they need national and state governments and other bodies to play along. And one of the key tools they are using is a three-word slogan. Build back better. We will build back better from the COVID crisis. Build it back better. To come back stronger and build back better. Build Canada back better. Build back better has bizarrely been the slogan for all sorts of different political groups around the world. Bill Clinton used it to promote the Clinton Foundation after the Haiti 
hurricane disaster. The recent cholera outbreak served as a stark reminder of the urgency we face to address the strengthened reconstruction efforts in Haiti to help the people build back better. Haitian activists stage a protest outside Hillary Clinton's Manhattan office. The demonstrators claim billions of dollars were stolen through the Haiti Reconstruction Commission headed by Bill Clinton. They also say Haiti was used as a cover for foreign governments to funnel kickbacks of possibly hundreds of millions of dollars through the Clinton Foundation. Given that Clinton himself was the one who, who coined this term, build back better, there's been very little transparency and accountability despite all these buzzwords, you know, sustainable development, community consultation. Any disaster can be the perfect excuse to build back better by using the money that should be going to disaster relief to instead subsidize the UN agenda at the same time as making renewables investors very rich. So behind the great Haiti disaster story, that is used to cover up what big pharma, big oil, big bank is actually doing. The absolute first thing we have to keep in mind with the Great Reset is that this has absolutely nothing to do with any sort of virus or disease or anything of the sort. This is a coordinated agenda that has been years in the making. This, this isn't meant to end. The so-called Great Reset, which is deliberately designed to strip away your liberties and your rights using the tools of oppression and the opportunity provided by the COVID pandemic. Here we are now with an economy in crisis, but with an incredible opportunity, not just to build back to where we were before, but better. It is I, your cute and adorable pal Grover, with a message for listeners of the Great Reset. I know a thing or two about resetting. Mm-hmm. I reset my alarm clock every morning. <laughs> but you are talking about resetting the entire world. We are living in a time where leadership, unfortunately, is compromised. And by that, I mean that individuals are placed in power for their ability to be influenced, not their merits of leadership. Nothing could be clearer than the leadership of the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is the institution granted exclusive power to guide this and protect amazing. the health and wellness of humanity. The WHO is sustained by private donations, the bulk of which are made by pharmaceutical and biotech corporations who have a vested financial interest in the organization's support. In 2017, the Associated Press reported that the WHO routinely spends about 200 million a year on travel expenses, more than what it spends to fight some of the biggest problems in public health, including AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria combined. The WHO's repeated issuing of inaccurate and bad advice is not merely the result of incompetence, but rather the direct result of the Communist Party of China deliberately buying out WHO's leadership. On the nomination of the executive board appoints Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus as Director General of the World Health Organization. Tedros Ghebreyesus is the World Health Organization's first Director General that isn't a medical doctor. No Tedros for WHO! No Tedros for WHO! The appointment to the organization's highest position was controversial, given that in his previous role as Ethiopian's health minister, Tedros was accused of covering up three major health epidemics, 
Tedros is no stranger to controversy. As a former Minister of Health in Ethiopia, he has been accused of an alleged cover-up of three possible cholera epidemics. Prior to his appointment, Tedros was a high-ranking member of the Tigray People's Liberation Front, a brutal and corrupt political group responsible for crimes against humanity, including bombings, kidnappings, tortures, and killings. How does a man with such a controversial past score the top position at the world's most influential health organization? I have known Bill and Melinda for, for many, many years now. While serving as Ethiopia's health minister, Tedros became intimately intertwined with both the Gates Foundation and the Clinton Foundation. The health minister of Ethiopia, one of the ablest public servants I ever worked with. With the backing of the two most powerful foundations on earth and the full support of the Communist Party of China, Tedros was a shoo-in. We will have many body bags in front of us if we don't behave. So Dr. Tedros, who isn't a doctor, by the way, there's a video floating around where from like August 3rd where they asked him, you know, if he's gotten vaccinated or something. He's like, nope, I'm waiting. I'm waiting because Ethiopia hasn't done well with the rollout. And so I'm boycotting, like he's doing the right thing. But there's a great, I believe it's a reporter. She's in Africa, wherever Tedros's terror group, terrorist group is. There's a, like a civil war between the terrorist group and like the other, the government. And he runs the WHO. So he's telling the world that the terrorist group is the other, is the one that's not the terrorist group, which isn't his team. And uh, I believe it was Russell Brand that brought this. No, it was Jimmy Dore who brought the um, this African reporter on who told the whole truth behind what's going on here. And how everyone knows that, you know, in that area, at least that Dr. Tedros is, you know, full of crap. He's a he's part of the terrorist team, but he's speaking out. You know, it's like opposite day every day of the week again. Um, so you could check that out if you want to learn more about this, but let me continue. It's just crazy. He's not even a doctor and there's questions. She didn't know the the reporter, but asked if she knew, like she said, there's rumors the PhD isn't even real either, but they just gave it to him and like, you know, put it into the system, but she didn't know that for sure. So we don't know. We don't know, but we know he's not a medical doctor. The guy leading the world health organization is not a medical doctor. The World Health Organization, not a medical doctor. Okay, let's take our advice from him. The vaccine czar, Bill Gates, not a medical doctor. We live in clown world. Back to the show. You cannot find a person promoting this scenario that's not part of the interlocking directorates of the World Health Organization, the CDC, the NIAID, or the organizations that are the philanthropic cover organizations that fund them. We now know that there are over 1,300 patents currently issued and held by organizations that are multiply recipients of funding through the Gates Foundation, through EcoHealth Alliance, through the Sherlock Biosciences connection back into open philanthropy, and all of them also have links directly to NIAID Anthony Fauci's funding sources. If you have conflicts of interest in the funding and in the decision-making and in the inside knowledge that you have between competing or competitor organizations, 
That is a violation of the antitrust laws of the United States. These are federal crimes. If you have the power to immediately fix whatever's wrong with our current medical system, where would you start? Conflicts of interest. About 40 or 50 years ago, pharmaceutical CEOs actually went to jail if they knowingly sold a bad product and concealed information about the problems with that product. Since then, all they have done is paid fines. And so selling a product and concealing information about it is okay because paying the fine is considered the cost of doing business. How did the pharmaceutical industry come to capture the rest of the medical industry? And it's because they had so much money to bribe the NIH, the CDC, the FDA, the professional associations, you know, the journals, the medical schools, and everyone else. Around the same time that John D. Rockefeller seized U.S. media, he also hijacked U.S. medicine. When it was discovered that drugs could be produced from petroleum, America's top oil mogul ordered his army of propagandists to invert reality accordingly. Medicines used for thousands of years were suddenly classified as alternative, while the new, petroleum-based, highly addictive, and patentable drugs were declared the gold standard. After buying the German pharmaceutical company that manufactured chemicals of war for Adolf Hitler, Rockefeller leveraged his political influence by pressing Congress to declare natural healing modalities unscientific quackery. Rockefeller then took control of the American Medical Association and began offering massive grants to top medical schools under the mandate that only his approved curriculum be taught. Any mention of the healing powers of herbs, plants, and diet was erased from most medical textbooks. Doctors and professors who objected to Rockefeller's plan were crucified by the media, removed from the AMA, and stripped of their license to teach and practice medicine. Those who dared to speak out were arrested and jailed. When evidence began to emerge that petroleum-based medicines were causing cancer, Mr. Rockefeller founded the American Cancer Society through which he suppressed that information. How convenient. John D. Rockefeller is duly credited as the founder of the pharmaceutical industry and the reason that medical error is currently the third leading cause of death in America. This is not an indictment against doctors. More than anyone, they are under the stranglehold of the single largest lobbying power in Washington. He's Bill Gates 1.0. Every year, the pharmaceutical industry spends at least twice the amount as big oil to influence laws, policies, and public perception. Thanks to Mr. Rock. Do you want the people who are selling medication to help people to have to have a lobbying group? where they spend hundreds of millions of dollars? Why, if they're doing such good for society, do they, do they need to lobby and convince politicians to make certain laws that identifies them and lets them off the hook? Like, I don't want my pharmaceutical company to be lobbying. Spend the money on R&D. Spend the money on research. Spend the money on, uh, on, on realizing people who have side effects and how to make them better. Not on lobbying. That's not what we want. That's terrible. That isn't for the normal person. It's not for the peasant. And we're peasants and we love peasants and we are for the peasants. Rockefeller, the architect of American monopolies. No industry has more power over our lives than big pharma. Part of the problem, and this by the way, goes back to the 1980s with Microsoft, 
is Bill Gates found out that it was very difficult to manufacture oh, a way to navigate through the patent universe. Here we go. This is the Bill Gates rant. Here we go. I love this one. We also have a podcast called The Real Bill Gates, which is pretty juicy, but this one is the ultimate juicy fruit. Saying that it's Microsoft holding the patents. And he became the architect of a very cunning program of putting patents in holding companies that didn't have anything to do with the named of the organization. According to legend, young Bill Gates built his computer empire out of his garage. Reality tells another story, that Bill Gates was born into wealth and privilege. Both his grandfather and great-grandfather were banking moguls. His father, William Gates Sr., was a prominent Seattle-based lawyer and political lobbyist. Through his father, Bill Gates learned the ins and outs of law and politics and how to manipulate those governing forces. I'm Bill Gates, chairman of Microsoft. Bill Gates dropped out of college to start Microsoft. He is credited with inventing the operating system that became Windows. However, he played no part in the invention of Windows. The fact is, he bought an existing operating system from Seattle Computer Products, had it modified, then licensed it to IBM. That didn't stop him from taking all the credit. I don't see Bill Gates as this great creative person. I see him as an opportunist. While Microsoft's co-founder, Paul Allen, was struggling with cancer, Bill Gates seized the opportunity by attempting to cheat him out of his share of the company's fortune. They were basically talking about how they were planning to dilute my share down to almost nothing. And it was uh, you know, really a shocking and disheartening moment for me. And you were sick. I think I was still probably in the middle of radiation therapy. Gates' business strategies came under fire in 1998 when the United States Department of Justice sued Microsoft for antitrust violations. This is take three of the video Okay, so for, for everyone who's listening and not watching on Spotify or Rumble, which you should definitely go and, and subscribe in those places, this is a deposition, August 27th, 1998, particularly at 11.02 a.m. if you were curious. But Bill Gates is in a chair going like, moving back and forward, like back, forward, like just like a weird, like real sketchy and disconnected and seems like he's not on an emotional level where he realizes we're humans and stuff. He's just like, you know, he's going like, he's just going up and down, you know, like against the back of the chair, like in a really sketchy way, looks like a sketch ball, which by the way, fun fact, this deposition and his sketchiness of how he was in the deposition is what um, the actor in uh, the social network used for when uh, Mark Zuckerberg, or the actor that played Mark Zuckerberg, was in a meeting when the twins, the Wrinkle, the Winklevoss twins, were suing him. He watched the Mark Zuckerberg actor, I forget his name, watch this deposition to act like this. So, in the social network, that scene. Or those scenes where he's where he's like slouching down and not caring and totally disconnected. That was learned from the real deposition from our boy, Bill Gates. During the 18-month trial, Gates gave hours of videotape testimony. What were the non-Microsoft browsers that you were concerned about in January of 1996? That month. Yes, yeah, sir. And what about it? What non-Microsoft browsers were you concerned about in January of 1996? I don't know what you mean concerned. Um, 
what is it about the word concern that you don't understand? I'm not sure what you mean by it. The Justice Department has charged Microsoft with engaging in anti-competitive and exclusionary practices designed to maintain its monopoly in personal computer operating systems. It's amazing that the general public thought that during the pandemic, all of a sudden, the big pharma corporations that have screwed us over every step of the way and the sketch ball, honestly, I want to just say he's a mass murderer. I'm hoping with my heart that he doesn't know what bad he's doing, but everything looks like he's really like a sociopath serial killer. I, I don't really know how else to put it. I'm sorry. Sorry to be honest. That's how I feel. We don't know yet. Maybe he just doesn't know and he's trying to do good. We believe in people. It's not adding up that way that all of a sudden these criminals had a change of heart and wanted to save the world in 2019, 2020. All of a sudden, the worst criminals in the history of crime who Pfizer guilty of paying the largest criminal fine ever, like billions of dollars, all of a sudden met Jesus and their holy savior of the energy of the cosmos. Like, we now want to change our ways and save the earth. And everyone's like, yeah. We believe in you, Pfizer. We love you, Bill Gates. These were always criminals. These were always criminals. How that's what the mass formation psychosis does. When it when you get put into a state of fear, when you are really in a state of fear, which is what you were likely in, no matter how it's not about intellect, it's not about any of that. If you are in a state of fear, your thoughts can be controlled by somebody else. And they have very intelligent propaganda tactics that have been used for decades, like war, psychological warfare to make you do stuff against your own will. That's what took place. Like, this is a crazy, crazy coordinated attack um, on us, on the people. All right, let me get back to it. I just had to say that. Like, all of a sudden, these people all of a sudden had a change of heart for the first time ever to save the world. No, they created this pandemic and then all of a sudden the criminals had the solution to get us out. Get out of here. If you believe that, you are the conspiracy theorist. Oh, he just got In pied a move in the to face. overshadow the negative press. Gates invested $100 million to set up the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Overnight, Bill Gates transformed his public image from ruthless tech monopolizer to the world's most generous philanthropist. I'm pleased to announce that we're pledging an additional billion dollars. Uh, to... We had the chance to witness Bill Gates 2.0, the man you don't know. The rebranding campaign paid off. His net worth swiftly doubled, earning Bill Gates the title of richest man in the world. You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. And it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? In a Wall Street essay, Bill Gates declared vaccines the best investment I've ever made. There's been over a 20 to one return. So if you just look at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. The Gates Foundation expanded rapidly into a massive, vertically integrated, multinational corporation, controlling every step in a supply chain that reaches from its Seattle-based boardrooms to the villages of Africa and Asia is the world's largest private philanthropy causing harm 
The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has made millions of dollars each year from companies blamed for many of the same social and health problems the foundation seeks to address. The Gates Foundation has investments in 69 of the worst polluting companies in the U.S. and Canada. Other companies in the foundation's portfolio have been accused of transgressions, including forcing thousands of people to lose their homes, supporting child labor, defrauding and neglecting patients. And Nothing to see here. The Gates Foundation has not provided details. William H. Gates III and Melinda French Gates. As a top donor to both the WHO and the CDC, no one man has more power than Bill Gates to influence and control the health and medical freedom of all people. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. This will be the new normal until a vaccine is developed. Until we find a vaccine, going back to normal means putting lives at risk. We need to produce it and to deploy it in every single corner of the world. Full vaccination of our children and pregnant women. Development of new vaccines, therapeutics Vaccine and diagnostics. And which, by the way, this is from the CDC itself, from the UK government. They now say it could be dangerous and pregnant women should not get it. That is the UK government's website. We've already bought the syringes. We already know where it's going to happen. We're thinking about what that's going to be. It's all part of this plan. Our military is now being mobilized. So at the end of the year, we're going to be able to give it to a lot of people very, very rapidly. This is important. 1986. President Ronald Reagan signed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, granting total immunity to vaccine manufacturers. After a decade of lawsuits related to vaccine injuries and deaths, vaccine makers were going bankrupt. In a move to coerce policymakers, vaccine companies threatened to stop making vaccines until they could be legally shielded from liability. To this day, when someone is injured or killed as the result of an adverse reaction, it is the U.S. taxpayers that pay for the damages. Welcome back. Were several Indian tribal girls used as guinea pigs? The report alleges that two American pharma giants' untested vaccine was administered to thousands of tribal girls without proper study and paperwork. India was among the hardest hit after Bollywood celebrities were incentivized by the Gates Foundation to urge the public to submit to mass vaccinations. In 2009, tribal children were administered the HPV vaccine. Over 24,000 girls were told they were being given wellness shots, in many cases without the informed consent of a parent or a guardian. The people that were administering these vaccines lied to the guardians of these girls and told the girls, oh, this is going to cure cancer. You're never going to have cancer. And these girls became severely injured. Some of them developed seizures. Some of them developed cancer. And seven girls died. And there was no insurance. There was no assistance for them. And the Gates Foundation denied that it had been clinical trials. And it was so bad that the parliament in India created a task force, they studied it, and they kicked out the Gates Foundation. But India is a barbaric country. Things happen here in a very barbaric way. But I was surprised to find an American organization 
operating in broad daylight, doing things in a very, very, let's say, Indian fashion. And so the route I took was that I want the whole procedure to be investigated. The Indian Parliament formed a committee and it was to me a rather surprising move because you generally don't often have such a high level inquiry into matters affecting poor people. And that was such an extraordinary report. I don't think Indian Parliament has ever come out with such a scathing report. And the government officials came up and said, we shouldn't have authorized this. We're sorry. We're not going to allow them again. And now they're back doing their same old tricks again. The good news is that's what's amazing is that India and a lot of Africa, those two particular places, know of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and their history of wrongdoings. But yet in 2019, 2020, it's like they totally forgot. Now, if you do your research and people in India and a lot of Africa, there's massive protests against Bill Gates and all them. Like they know what's up now and they always did. But because of that fear, you forget. You don't, it doesn't matter. You do as you're told. And so India and many countries in Africa are very, very aware of them because you're going to hear more about their history. Their track record just isn't good. So just listen to this. I implore you to listen to this with an open mind, open heart. Even if you like Bill Gates, there's no problem with that. Just take in all of the information from all sides and then use your own critical thinking to come to your own conclusion. It might be a different... It's not about the conclusion you come to in decision-making. It's about the process in which you come to that conclusion. I don't care what answer you get to in anything. I care that you use the process and the critical thinking skills that you've been given since birth to evaluate all data and think for yourself. The conclusion, it's irrelevant. You're allowed to conclude whatever you want, but the process is imperative. Don't just take orders and be obedient. Listen to all sides and critically and think critically to come to your own conclusions. That's my point. Is that human clinical trials can start as early as July 2020 for India's first COVID-19 indigenous vaccine that's been developed by Bharat Biotech. So you can imagine how the manipulation of the media by the media, the manipulation of public opinion by leaders from all political parties unanimously saying, we want a vaccine. And the worst thing is they are taken as philanthropists. Whereas what this actually is, is the acquisition of political and financial power. And I think the second most populous country with 1.3 billion people is going to be a good base for pharmaceutical companies to make a killing. No and also intended. kill a lot of people in the process. Yes, I just find it a pity that we haven't been able to get any benefit for the girls who suffered, you know. It's so terrifying as to what they're actually doing with the world. We're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. A 2018 scientific study released in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, concluded that over 490,000 children in India developed paralysis as a result of the Gates-supported 
oral polio vaccine that was administered between the years of 2000 and 2017. Visual sleight of hand, US-based media and fact checkers rushed to bury the story. But thanks to the meticulous work of a team of Indian researchers and doctors, the inconvenient truth lives on the NIH.gov website. It's my honor to introduce Bill and Melinda Gates. Without any medical training, Bill and Melinda Gates founded the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, through which they fulfill their agenda to vaccinate the world. The foundation has been sued by the governments of some of the poorest and most vulnerable nations for causing serious harm through experimental vaccine programs. If you just look at healthcare workers around the world, they deserve to get the vaccine first. You know, here in the United States, really, it's going to be Black people who really should get it first, and many Indigenous people. Vaccines were always taught to us that it was safe, it was, it was healthy, this is things that we had to do. This is Honorable Jane, or Jamal C. Hawley, a New Jersey State Representative Democrat. But given the position that I am in now as a state legislator, and looking at these studies and reviewing a lot of these studies, it's very scary, and I want the African-American community to open up their eyes. Of all the places that Mr. Gates could have gone in the world, why did he settle on Africa? It's not because he cares about people that look like me. He cares about an agenda. African bodies have been used as lab rats for many years for Big Pharma. They are using us for trials, they are using us for testing, but as an African, I say no more. Africans, they're tired of becoming the guinea pigs of the world. Their antennas are raised and they're telling each other all over social media, they're on high alert right now. There is a policy of the American government. It's called the Kissinger Report, which was produced in the mid 70s. And it explicitly states that uh, the purpose of the foreign policy in Africa was to uh, reduce the, the population because they have great mineral resources there. At the time, Kissinger and those involved with the Carter administration wanted to shrink the population, make sure that the Africans do not develop and do not use the resources for themselves, because we in the States, we need them. There is a, a concerted effort of foreign powers to uh, control the population of Africa. Some children did survive the botched vaccinations last month and will recover, but 15, all under the age of five, died from fever, vomiting, and diarrhea. Human errors contributed to the unfortunate deaths of the children. How can you believe Big Pharma, but not believe these parents when they tell you that their children have been injured by Big Pharma? That's what's so fascinating. And I've talked about so many times, people, the, the big pushback when you push against the narratives, oh, you're doing this to better yourself. When going against the narrative is literally the worst thing you could do for your life, your reputation, getting smeared, Going with the narrative brings you the great results, the short-term great results. That argument doesn't hold. Like, oh, you're doing this podcast for money. No, the people that are making money are the ones taking bribes like CNN and telling you lies. It's actually the opposite. Everything's opposite. It's crazy. So that's my little tidbit. There's not much more left, by the way. I don't care how big this corporate machine looks. As a parent, I can tell you, 
These people will never stop fighting for their kids. And we will fight for them on this podcast. All the African children, man, they're so damn cute. It's ridiculous. They shouldn't have to go through this garbage. They can't walk. They're showing them limping around. God, they all have like prosthetic legs and braces on. God damn you, Bill Melinda Gates. So wrong. Vaccine-induced paralysis calls for action, says study. My heart, my heart goes out to all of you. Does saving more lives lead to overpopulation? It would take hours to list all of the questionable initiatives that Bill Gates is involved in. Here's a few of the highlights. Gates is one of the key funders in the stratospheric-controlled perturbation experiment designed to block out the sun in an effort to control global warming by releasing massive amounts of calcium carbonate and other materials into the upper atmosphere. Critics, including environmental scientists, have called the project a global genocide experiment. Gates has invested over $1 billion in EarthNow's global surveillance project. Hold up. Bill Gates, anybody out there, you don't get to decide to block out the sun. You don't get to make that decision. Who are these people that think that they are were hired to play God? First of all, you weren't even voted for to play anything. And you're definitely not supposed to play God. Get out of here. And then what's coming next is satellites that they're launching into orbit to survey everything that you do. Please send this to somebody who is still asleep. We had to wake the whole world up and block Bill Gates out of the earth. Damn. You can't block the damn sun. It's not our choice. Crazy, man. He's crazy. Crazy. Project. The project will launch hundreds of satellites into space, which will allow for the 24-7 monitoring of all people everywhere. I'm not about that. In partnership with MIT, Bill Gates has developed a new technology that allows vaccines to be injected under your skin, along with your medical records. You've all know Harari. The quantum dot tattoo he talks about all will the time. implant an invisible certificate that into can be scanned by authorities using a cell phone app and infrared light. Eventually, what we'll have to have is certificates of who's a recovered person, who's a vaccinated person. So eventually, there will be this digital immunity. Can we also have one that says who's a psychopath? So we know where you are, Bill Gates. Proof. The EPA recently approved an experimental use permit to Oxitec, a biotech company funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In an effort to fight malaria, Oxitec will soon release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes in various U.S. states. According to the NIH website, programs are being developed to allow human immunization via mosquito bite. It was Science Magazine that coined the phrase, Flying syringes. Okay. Does anybody have a problem with flying syringes in the form of a mosquito that immunizes you, whatever that word is, that puts a vaccine in your blood like Bill Gates says? We, we, we just shoot it into the veins of children. This isn't a game. And if we don't give our consent, not only is flying syringes in the form of mosquitoes that put stuff in your body against your will, that's not even a, that's a violation of Nuremberg and a violation of just humanity. That is so evil and wrong. Ask people if they want to get it, give it to them. If they don't, back off. Back off. And no matter what, back off the damn children.
can't stand it. Don't touch our children ever. When are we going to rise up, people? I feel like I'm alone here. Can we get some support for the children? Does anyone love children? Or should we have them dance on poles with, with guys dressed up as girls showing their balls? Come on. It's not okay. They're normalizing the most outlandish stuff. It's not normal. And that's not normal. When Think about it. When you grew up, did your parents take you to drag queen shows where they dance on poles? Or did that happen when you were like older than 18 and 21 and you went to a strip club? Come on. Come on. Look what's going on. Come on. It's no secret. Come on. Back to it. Oh, and here we go, baby. The favorite part of the podcast, standing in at six foot one and trafficking young girls and young boys to the wealthy elites across the world. In every country and having surveillance cameras all over the plantation, the one, the only, King Jeffrey Epstein! A shocking new report from the New York Times sheds light on the connection between Microsoft founder Bill Gates and the late Jeffrey Epstein. You were- Before we continue, there's nothing to see here. Okay. Court, these two men met at least six times. Well, I believe that there were more. This included visits to the mansion, seeing each other in Seattle, flying on Epstein's plane. When flight logs revealed that Gates had been a passenger on the Lolita Express, he claimed that he didn't know that the private jet belonged to Epstein. He also denied that he and Mr. Epstein were involved in any business deals. However, an expose by the New York Times revealed that not only did Bill Gates initiate a relationship with Jeffrey Epstein well after he was convicted of sex crimes, but the two were also involved in the process of co-founding a multi-billion dollar charitable fund. I think these are the two biggest criminals in definitely of whoever's li alive today, but all time criminals, all time. This will go in the record books as two of the biggest schmucks ever. Why would they ever set up a charitable trust benefiting Jeffrey Epstein? That it was all about philanthropy, that Bill Gates just wanted to find new sources of money. It was just philanthropy. Listen, it's just philanthropy, so we need to have sex with underage girls against their will, and we need to send uh, mosquitoes to immunize people who don't say yes. It's just for philanthropy. It's just philanthropy. So what? You kill a few hundred thousand million people? It doesn't matter. Just say you can go next time when someone psycho out there goes and commits a murder, on trial, they should say it was for philanthropy and you get right off. It's over. You just get right, you go right out the court door. Why would one of the richest men in the world choose to partner with the world's most notorious pedophile? Because he loves you. A deeper dive into Epstein's world revealed that the two men had more in common than meets the oh, eye. He loves your child, probably. Like Gates, Epstein was a billionaire philanthropist with a passion for science, health, education, Aww, and children. He was so giving. The Jeffrey Epstein Foundation donated millions of dollars to top universities, science institutes, you would medical think he schools, was a bad dude. early education programs, youth initiatives, and international peace accords. Bill Gates is either the most misunderstood man alive or one of the most convincing con men 
to ever live. Is he a benevolent hero or a malevolent opportunist? Bill Gates. Personally, I would love to believe that one of the richest men in the world is giving away his fortune for the betterment of humanity. I want to believe that endearing smile. I want to believe that his heart is as soft and warm as his sweaters. At the very least, I want to believe that he's unaware of the damage he's done. We all do. We all hope he's doing it for good cause. Just hard to make that conclusion. I'm happy to announce that we've discovered a vaccine. We no longer have to live in fear. Everyone can get back to their normal lives. It's the great hope galvanizing the world. A vaccine for COVID-19. But are we being sold a lie? After all, COVID-19 is the seventh coronavirus to strike mankind. And we've never found a vaccine for any of them. The shortest time anybody's ever found a vaccine against any disease that I'm familiar with is about seven years. The average time is 20. To be talking about a magic bullet coming in months, it borders on the absurd. People like myself and Tony Fauci are saying 18 months, a year to a year and a half. If everything went perfectly, we could do slightly better than that. But there will be a trade-off. We'll have less safety testing than we typically no would deal. have. And so governments will have to decide. We'll just skip the human know, trials. Do they indemnify the companies and really say, let's let's go out with yeah, this? Yeah, let's go for Something it. Something that people should know about COVID-19 vaccines is they fall today under the PrEP Act, which came into being after 9-11 and after an anthrax scare. And this law gives virtually blanket liability protection. It's basically impossible to get any kind like of compensation if you're injured. So people need to understand that if you take COVID-19 get a vaccine and get a blanket. absolutely on your own. If and you're donut. permanently injured, if you lose your job, if your healthcare expenses go through the roof, whatever. tough luck. Volunteers all across the country began getting shots today as part of the final phase of testing phase for an experimental three, vaccine being developed by the NIH and the drug company Moderna. Um, the side effects for the Moderna vaccine sound concerning. We looked. After the second dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect. So are these vaccines safe? Safe and effective. Well, the uh, the FDA not being pressured will look hard at that. The FDA is the gold standard of regulators uh, and their current guidance on this, if they stick with that, is, is very, very appropriate. Uh, and, you know, the, it, the, 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 the side effects were not super severe. That is, it didn't cause permanent health problems for uh, it was a minor one. They, you know, Moderna did have to go with a fairly high dose. And so, uh, you know, to get the antibodies. This isn't a vaccine story. This is a population management story. If your goal is to make this beautiful earth live on an exclusive playground for the entitled few. Hong Kong protest 2019. Then populations that get in the way are a problem. Hey, by the way, I need to say this again. For all you depopulation promoters, that's fine. But volunteer yourself first. A new study just came out. Zero percent of people 
who want a depopulation are volunteer volunteering themselves for the trial. 0%. If you want depopulation, please volunteer. And it is the empirical impulses of individuals who have decided that by outranking the rest of humanity, they can dictate upon humanity the conditions of their existence. Oh, you didn't know? You're just not as you, you're just not as necessary. You're not necessary. You're not a, a whatever worker, whatever they called it during the pandemic. You you're expendable. Bill Gates is not, but you are. You are less than. Did anyone tell you you are less than? Did they tell you? Well, let me tell you. You're just not on the same playing field as the warriors of Klaus Schwab, of Bill Gates, of Henry Kissinger, Joe Biden. You're just not. You're not. You're just a peasant. We don't need you. They need. We need them. We need those strong leaders who care about us so much. But you, we don't need you. Oh, get out of here. We need you. We don't need them. Let's get the story straight. Opposite day again. Now we need to go and look in families to find those people who may be sick and remove them oh, and this isolate is scary. them. This yeah. bill enables the police to it's enter videos. Without of a police and people's Madam houses, Speaker, the police have dragging them out against their will. That power. We this will is really find out who lives in the house. If it's someone that is refusing, dragging we will people definitely consult while they're wearing health officer body to look into next steps. And the know, sheriff's masks. department and the health department showed up at her door with orders for her and her husband to wear ankle monitors. This is tyranny. The couple says they never denied self-quarantining. You will no longer be able to it's leave a, home. Only one person will be able to go shopping once per day. Recreational activity is now no longer allowed. You will be allowed to have one hour of exercise, no further than five kilometers from your home. Are you serious? Just for not having a mask? For no mask? Are you serious? We will shut you down. We will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you, and we will take you to jail. You know the old expression about snitches? Well, in this case, snitches get rewards. <laughs> Some people are ratting their neighbors out, calling the police, but others are We're turning on the to same the team. internet, where social on, people. shaming has gotten Snitch ugly. on the elites. In a time of oh my crisis, God. there's a police officer who's tackled a woman head first into the ground. Neighbors and friends distrust people are yelling at each other. It's exactly the opposite tactic we actually need. I can't believe this happened. When human societies lose their freedom, it's not usually because tyrants have taken it away. It's usually because people willingly surrender their freedom in return for protection against some external threat. That's what I fear we are seeing now. I want. Did you hear that? It's not that tyranny usually takes over. People voluntarily over time give away their civil liberties because you're you're doing a trade-off. You're giving away for this illusion of security, of being protected by the government, by the powers that be. So you will give them everything. Take this away. Take away the sun. Take away all this as long as you'll keep me safe. Keep me safe. This is a textbook tyranny takeover by people voluntarily giving away their liberties. We must stop, we must resist, we must keep our liberties because I don't want to give her to mine, so therefore you have to keep yours and we need to resist. Next time you walk into a place and they, everyone, like I was just at the hospital and everybody had a mask on and I just, my girlfriend, I just walked in, I'm like, we're not, you know, just walk in. If they ask you, you'd be like, I don't have a mask, right? 
And then they have to go find it. And so if every person who walks in does that, where they have to go, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. And then go run and get a mask and go through all the, you're just going to say, ah, you know what? Forget it. I'm done. I'm not going to do it. That's how we get the liberties back. And let me tell you a good story that happened in that hospital. 99% of people had a mask on. We walked in throughout the whole building, talked to a ton of people without a mask ever on. And nobody said a word. You know why? Because the people have awakened and the people are sick of the tyranny. We're taking our world back, baby. We are taking our planet back. This is a cognitive dissonant moment, which is being imprinted in your brain. Just like remember the Great Depression. Remember 9-11. Weapons of mass destruction. We are being conditioned to have the excuse for unbelievable acts of tyranny, which will be justified by remember 2020. And your loved ones, those that die, those that are infected, they're being used as cannon fodder, which is the ultimate desecration of their honor and integrity. And this is also a test of humanity to see how much of our liberty we will let go before we finally draw the line under enough. Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, stated, unless we put medical freedom into the Constitution, the time will come when medicine will organize into an undercover dictatorship to restrict the art of healing to one class of men and deny equal privileges to others. That time is now. Well, this won't be the last pandemic that we face. So we, you know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is, uh, will get attention this time. Unbelievable. How did he know? Just so happens we have- This is not a time for us to go in a mob frenzy, find the perpetrators and haul them into the town square and pillory them. This is a moment for us to recognize that every decision that is being made today by any of the conspiring parties made perfect sense in each increment when each one of those decisions was made. The sum of those incremental steps has led to devastation because they lost touch with their fellow humanity. But that's an invitation for each one of us to examine how we're living and how not a single decision we make, not one in any moment is without consequence. This is our moment to reclaim our humanity. Our lives are shaped and guided by stories. The stories we're told become the stories we tell. The more we hear them, the more we believe them. When used as a tool, they help us to better understand who we are, where we came from, and where we're going. When used as a weapon, they can be deadly. One of the most dangerous stories we've been told is the one that goes something like this. Humanity is a failed experiment. 
We are parasites, a cancer, a virus. Human beings are a disease. It is a myth that permeates our movies, our music, our media, and our minds. As they say, repeat a lie often enough, it becomes truth. Perhaps that was the goal of the authors of that story. Um, we feel too afraid to have kids um, because we feel that we're heading towards civilization breakdown. Fear shuts down the part of our brain designed to solve problems. Without that ability, we look for others to guide and save us. In doing so, we lose touch with our most primal nature. We forget that we are an extension of the most brilliant and resilient ecosystem in the universe. We stop eating food grown from the earth and begin consuming products processed from machines. We trade medicines that heal for drugs that harm. We abandon love and liberty for debt and dependency. The good news is our story is not over. The climax has yet to come. That moment when the hero rises from defeat, summoning a force they forgot they had, a force within, a force of nature. Wow. You have been telling people that this is the 11th hour. Now you must go and tell the people that this is the hour and there are things to be considered. Where are you living? What are you doing? What are your relationships? Are you in the right relation? Where is your water? Know your garden. It is time to speak your truth. Create your community. Be good to each other and do not look outside yourself for your leader. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Oh my God, I'm getting emotional. Hope ye elders prophecy. Oh my God. That's incredible. I really hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're still with me at the end here. Let me tell you a story you're going to tell your kids. Oh man, I'm emotional. That there was this crazy thing that happened, this pandemic, this virus that shut down all the economies across the world and everyone lost their jobs and inflation went through the roof and our money became worth nothing and we and we almost lost everything. But we created our human network and we created our communities and we built a better world for our kids. Oh my God, so emotional. And that's, and we did it for you guys. And we have to do it for the kids. We have to. I have nothing else to say. Share this with someone who needs to hear it.
I think it's really, really important. I love you. Have an amazing day. Sorry for getting emotional at the end, but we need to rebuild this place for our kids. And let's do the right thing. And let's come together. Have an amazing day. Amazing night. I love you. Everyone loves you. Subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan show. Link is in the show notes. Share with one person. Let's take this thing to the top. All right. I love you. Until tomorrow. Bye.